Well, good morning. It is good to see you here this morning on this fourth Sunday of Advent as we uh, are just a few days away from uh, celebrating Christmas and I hope it will be a joyful one for you as we do celebrate the light of the world. It's good to be in God's house. It's good to be together with God's family this morning and it's a privilege. I, I, uh, as I, I think about uh, the sermon that I'm going to give today, I was thinking uh, you Buckeye fans already enjoyed a sermon yesterday, right? Uh, uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you, yeah, a few of you. Uh, a guy named Trey Sermon, a, a backup running back for Ohio State, ran for over 330 yards yesterday, breaking an Ohio State rushing record. It was a lot of fun to, to watch him do that, and the game was a little too close. So, so uh, we'll, uh, we got to be out of here by noon, right? Is that right, uh, to hear the college football playoff uh, thing? So we'll, we'll get through this as quickly as I can, okay? But uh, I'm not sure the sermon today will, will quite uh, be as good as uh, what we saw yesterday, but, but we can hope. I want to uh, ask that you uh, turn your attention to a very familiar passage, probably the most familiar passage that is written in Scripture, and that is Luke chapter 2. And I'd like to ask us to stand as we receive this together, and may the Lord give us fresh eyes and ears as we reflect on this story this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The Lord, uh, Luke reports, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May God add his blessing to his word. You may be seated It's been said that life is not defined by how many breaths you take, but by how many times your breath has been taken away. 
When was the last time you gasped at the goodness of God? When was the last time the Christmas story took your breath away as you contemplated its meaning? You know, one of the impressive things it seems to be about Mary as we continue to study the life of the mother of Jesus is the way that she receives God's favor. God told her through an angel that she was highly favored. But here's the thing. She had the audacity to believe it. She had the audacity to believe him despite every circumstance that that she encountered that might have indicated otherwise, despite considerable evidence to the contrary, she believed that God had blessed her and favored her. Luke 2.19 tells us that after the shepherds informed Mary of the angelic revelation that, quote, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, you get the sense that Mary wasn't one to brag and exaggerate or talk about herself, but she did treasure these events. She took them in. She contemplated and thought about them. She simply devoted a quiet, uh, developed a quiet, deep appreciation for God's grace in her life. Luke 33 tells us that a few days later, Mary and Joseph marveled at what was being said about their son. So today, I want us to consider the blessings that Mary received and how she continued to marvel at all that God was doing in her life and for the world. And maybe along the way, we can develop some sense of awe at what God has done too. So let's think about some of those blessings. I think Mary did receive some exceptional blessings from God. One of those had to be that God had made it clear to her that she was She had a special call from the Lord. Now, we know the story. An angel visited her personally to inform her that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. Of all the women in the world, she had been chosen to give birth to God's son. And I recall that her response to that tremendous responsibility was simple and direct. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be fulfilled just as you have said. You know, when, when, when things got tough, I think Mary kept reminding herself of this moment. I think she continued to see that angel in her mind. She continued to reflect on those words. When things got tough, and boy, did they, she remembered God's call in her life. You see, I think that when you know with certainty that God has called you, it makes a difference how you encounter and accept the difficulties along the way. I think about my own life. You know, during this season, my goodness, there have been times I've felt tempted to be discouraged. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you felt the same way. But, but I got tired of the, the, the disruption, the disunity, the debates of all the things that we've been going on. And, of course, this, this virus itself. The, 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 the struggle of just not seeing the people as, as I would love to in church. But... But I come back to the fact that, listen, I'm not a preacher who was called by this church, or I'm not a preacher who started this ministry or got into this ministry because I thought it was going to make me rich or because it was going to be easy. I'm a pastor today. I'm a preacher today because when I was 16 years old, I felt God's call in my life. 
God called me. And I go back to that very often. And, and, and quite frankly, there's nothing I could imagine doing but doing what God has called me to do. And so that informs me. It kind of supports me in those moments when I question myself, when I question what's going on. I remember what God has called me to. And that helped Mary. She was sustained in those difficult moments by the blessing of knowing this is God's design. God has called me. He sustains me. Now, I think there's another blessing that Mary enjoyed. We know that she had the support of a loving husband. Man, if you have the support of a loving spouse this morning, I will tell you, you're blessed. Joseph, of course, was directed by an angel that, that yes, he indeed should take Mary as his wife, and Joseph followed the Lord's command. I'm sure that Mary was grateful for that support, the tenderness of her husband in the most difficult situations. So he was right there. He bore the weight of the innuendos of, and the finger-pointing of the family and, and, and those in their community. He was there right alongside her. He, he assisted her in her birth. She, she needed all of that. I'm reminded that God knows the rearing of children is a difficult thing. And Joseph was a part of God's grace in her life when everyone else in Nazareth deserted her. And then I think about this. God blessed Mary with a healthy baby boy. Now, I'm not under the illusion that this birth was easy. We know that there were awkward circumstances and last-minute uncertainties, but they did find a quiet stable, and with Joseph's help, Mary was able to deliver a precious baby boy, a baby boy her, her firstborn, and she laid him in a manger and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Well, every mother here, I suspect that you can think back to that moment when you held your baby, especially that firstborn, that infant, healthy, alive, in your arms, I suspect it's one of the most joy-filled, fulfilling, satisfying moments in your lifetime. A newborn baby is always an incredible miracle of grace. I love the story that Pastor Bob Russell used to tell now, he tells this when years ago, of course, dads weren't allowed in the delivery room. Much has changed since then. But he tells about the fact that as a pastor, he was sitting in the delivery room with a dad-to-be named Harry Somerville, a member of his church. His mother-in-law, Harry's mother-in-law, who made Harry nervous anyway, was also sitting there and only made things worse by her worrisome chatter, he says. But they were there. They waited for hours well, finally, the nurse came in and said, Mr. Somerville, your wife has just delivered an 11-pound baby boy. She said, now, we did have some trouble. We had to use the forceps, and his head is a bit misshapen, and there's a little red mark on his face, but he's healthy, and he's doing fine. Well, Harry and the crew raced down to the nursery to, to take a look at the baby. The nurse was just at the point of washing him up. Of course, this is a big boy. He's huge. He's chubby. He's red. He's got this scratch mark on his pointed little head. 
But Pastor Bob said, you know, when I saw that baby, I remember what Bill Cosby said when he looked at his firstborn and said, my wife has just given birth to a lizard. But Harry looked at his firstborn and Harry said to Pastor Bob, Bob, I think that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my life. His mother-in-law, who was about five steps behind him, she looked at the baby and said, oh, Harry, he looks just like you. But then Harry's wife, Terry, when she held the baby for the first time, she thought he was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. He was healthy, he was alive, and he was hers. I want you to think about what Mary felt that moment. She looked at the baby Jesus, and she held him in her arms for the first time. She marveled. She was filled with wonder. And it was more than just what every other mother feels at the miracle of a birth. She knew that this child was the son of God. This child, her child, was so very special. She couldn't possibly understood everything that that meant, but, but somehow her child was so very special. Then, of course, God... Bless Mary with the confirmation of the miracle. Uh, you think about it, a few hours after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph were awakened by a frantic knock at the barn door. Shepherds who had come from the outside excitedly were asking, is there a baby in here? And I suspect Joseph said, well, yes, there is. How do you know? And they told him, well, we were out in our shepherd's field at night and suddenly the sky was just a burst with the angels singing. We've never seen anything like it. And the angel said to us, the Savior of the world has been born. He is Christ, the Messiah, has finally arrived, and he's been born to you. And that we could find him in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger. He'd be lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Is this the place? And Joseph said, why, yes, it must be. And you know that Mary's heart must have pounded faster and maybe her eyes even flooded with tears as she relished these shepherds adoring her son. Wow. Amazing. A little while later at some point, wise men knocked on the door of the house where Joseph and Mary were staying. Perhaps a relative had finally shown some compassion there in Bethlehem, and Mary and Joseph were allowed to stay in this house. But the wise men said, we have a kind of an unusual request as they knocked, and Joseph or Mary answered, we come from a, a distant land, and we have seen a spectacular star shining in the east and have followed that star to this very point. And in our tradition, that signified the birth of a king. And we've come to worship him. Is he here? And I suspect as Mary and Joseph encountered these men, I suspect Mary just smiled with a crease in her face and said, you've come to the right place. Come on in. Would you like to see him? And what did they do? They worshipped him. And then they had gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
But Mary's attitude toward all of these experiences was that of awe and wonder. But imagine how Mary could have reacted. She could have had a very different attitude, if you think about it. And, and many of us would justify it. From the moment that Joseph rejected her, she could have gotten angry and frustrated with God. Why are you doing this to me? She could have flashed out at her family. With Nazareth coming against her, everyone didn't understand. Her reputation was in tatters. And, and even when Joseph comes around, Joseph, did you just say we're making a trip to Bethlehem? Do you know how far Bethlehem is? Do you realize I'm pregnant, Joseph? She could have complained about how big she was getting and how her back hurt and how her feet hurt. Do you know how long and how hard this trip is going to be, Joseph? And then, of course, when they get to Bethlehem, where are we staying, Joseph? You don't know? Who doesn't make reservations when you're going so far? Why didn't you set this up? Didn't anyone willing to take us in? Are, are we going to have to stay in a barn or what? Joseph responds, why, yeah, I think that's what we're going to have to do. With chickens and manure and cows and all the like. He, the, the stench, the, the dampness of the air. And then think about the birth. She had no family to help, no mother, no, no uh, midwife to coach her. No epidural, ladies? She said, could have said, the only thing I've got is a husband who has no clue as to what's going on. And so the birth would have been just as painful as any childbirth. Sometimes we make this into a, a beautiful scene, but let me, let me also remind you, when Jesus was welcomed into the world during the birth, I doubt it was a silent night. And when the baby finally comes, we don't even get a sense they had the clothing for him, only rags. So you begin to put that image and that story together. For anyone in this room, those circumstances would have been considered a nightmare, right? And just about the time the baby goes to sleep and they finally get settled in, Scruffy-looking, dirty shepherds knock on the door, wake us up, wake the animals up, the baby up, and they want to hold him, of all things. Ever since this child was born, people interrupt us at the most awkward times, and they want to see him. And at least for me, one of the worst things would have been, one night, Mary could have told us, we're asleep. We're doing fine. And Joseph suddenly wakes up and says, Mary, I've had a dream. It's, it's terrible. Herod the king is out to destroy our baby. We've got to go right now. Get up. Get packed. We've got to go to Egypt. Egypt. I don't know anything about Egypt. It's a whole new culture, a whole new language. The only thing I know about Egypt is that is where our people came from, where we were slaves at one point. Can you imagine trying to raise a Jewish boy in that country? How difficult it must have been. And yet you never get the sense that Mary complained about her circumstances. 
all those difficulties that she surely faced. What we read is this, but Mary marveled. She treasured these things. She pondered them in her heart. That was Mary. That was her attitude. One of the things I regularly catch my wife doing is looking at her phone. Now, I realize that that in this day and age is not all that unusual, but but you need to know that my wife doesn't do Facebook. She's not on Twitter or anything like that, nor is she reading the latest headlines. Most often what she is doing is going through the multitude of pictures she has stored on her phone that she has taken through the years, mostly of the children and her good-looking husband. Now, I like to look at pictures, too. There are a lot of good memories, but Mary takes that to a whole nother level. She just ponders that. I mean, and I mean that. She'll look at those again and again. She treasures looking at those photos, being reminded of what they wore to prom or what the kids were doing at Christmas's past. She still smiles when she sees those pics of their, their silly selfies. It's like she has this grand scrapbook in her palm. She's always looking. Luke tells us that Mary pondered these things in her heart. She kind of carried a mental scrapbook moment by moment of what it was like when Jesus was born. And so when the shepherds left, Mary treasured up all these things, it says, and pondered them in her heart. When the prophet Simeon said that Jesus, her son, would be the Savior, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, Luke 2.33. You remember when Jesus was 12 years old, he went to the temple, he confounded the teachers of the law, and again the scripture says his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Mary had etched these things in her mind. She wanted to remember them. She pondered every detail and probably often wondered what this all meant. But what we see is a person who was continually giving thanks and appreciating the blessing and marveling how good God had been. So how's your attitude this morning? How's your Christmas going? You know, maybe one of the great lessons we can learn from Mary is she teaches us that no matter what's going on, we should have awe at Christmas. Never mind what's going on. The restrictions regarding Corona. <laughs> Never mind that it feels different this year. It does. We'll celebrate different this year. I know. The arrival of Mary's baby, however, was not conventional. It was different by any measure. But can we still be amazed this Christmas? Can we still be in awe of the story? God, give us the grace to be in awe of what you have done. You see, I think one of the tragedies of our age is is that we aren't amazed often anymore. Think about our lives. We get up on a typical morning. Amazon Echo wakes me up to my favorite 
cartoon. I go to the refrigerator, cold milk. I can have the Keurig pour out my favorite flavor of coffee. The microwave warms up my oatmeal in just seconds. My phone will give me the headlines and traffic and check the weather for the day. Our kids can finish up their term papers in their Zoom classes on their laptops through the internet. And, and my car can warm up remotely while I'm putting the last uh, bit of clothing on, getting ready to go. And, of course, when I get into the car, I can turn on my favorite playlist. And it sounds as if I'm right there in the middle of the band. Of course, my phone can save my commute, suggesting a different route if the traffic is too bad. And, of course, as we make our way to work so often, we dream of upcoming vacations when we will finally be corona-free and can fly nonstop to some exotic beach somewhere. And we start thinking about what we have and what we go through. It's just another day, boring day, ho-hum Despite all the gadgetry, life has lost its startle, lost its sense of wow and awesomeness. What thrills you anymore? Some of you might say, well, I don't get much excited about Christmas. I've been through so many of them. Or I've had so many things go wrong this year, I just want to get through it. Or I can't enjoy Christmas this year because it's going to be different. It won't be the same. But don't you wish that you had that sense of awe? Don't you realize the opportunity? I was thinking of Revelation chapter 2 this week where Jesus said, I hold this against you. He's speaking to the church. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. You see, friends, I believe this. When God is really working in your life, everything becomes an opportunity for amazement. That life in God marvels, that life in God treasures, that life in God wonders and ponders, that life in God is filled with a sense of awe. And so what we see is, is Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. The shepherds rejoiced at seeing the Christ child. The wise men worshipped and Mary and Joseph marveled at these things. So the question for me, and maybe the question is for you, how do we recapture that wonder of Christmas? And do we want to? Well, would you give me an opportunity to just make a couple of suggestions? One of the things I, I think Mary teaches us and, and, and can help us here is this. First, let us take stock and count our spiritual blessings. Really take a moment. You know, with all this with corona, one of the things is that we are more isolated. We won't be as, as maybe busy with celebrations, but maybe that is a good thing where we can ponder and take time to say, God, thank you, because the Christ child who is born is meant to be born in me. 
And listen, if he was born in the stable and he's born in my life, this is the mystery. You have become a child of God. Don't ever lose amazement at that truth. Take stock of the spiritual blessings that you have. Am I closer to Christ than I was last year? Has God been doing something in my life, in my marriage, through my family, in my children's lives? Take stock of that and give him thanks and praise him for what he is doing. I, I, I'll give you this. I think that we ought to use creative reminders of Christmas. You know, in our household, and you'll see some of this tonight in the special later, we tend to be one of those families that decorates our home in a big way. For us, it's just a way to remind us that our world is different because Christ came. And so I think there's one of the healthy things a family can do is establish traditions. Establish traditions of making cookies or, or having a family Christmas movie night. Far from forgetting the reason for the season, I think those opportunities cause us to, to reflect on the wonder of God's coming to our earth. Now this year may be different. Some of those traditions are out of kilter. We won't be able to do what we would love to do. Psalm 43 says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and trust in the Lord. Sometimes God wants us to sing a new song. Uh, there, there, there's this challenge of a new package for an old story. You know, uh, we couldn't, as a church, do many of the things we would normally do for Christmas. We didn't have a cantata this year. We, we aren't able to do the great Christmas outreach that we like to be a part of. But we as a staff got together. We thought, okay, well, how can we, can we make this creative? And so we are doing this special tonight at 6.30. I hope you'll, you'll, you'll tune in. It'll be a little corny, and that's not my fault, but uh, uh, I hope you'll enjoy it. And maybe, just maybe it'll establish a new tradition of sorts. But be creative. I'd also make this suggestion. Make yourself available to children during this Christmas season. I said in the last service, expose yourself to children, and that uh, I got some feedback on there that I needed to, to reword uh, that. So I've done so. But make yourself available to children. I mean, if, if, you, if you find yourself in their presence, did you, did you notice the boys when the fanes were up here? They just wanted to peek and see dad light the candle. Now to you and me, it's no big deal, but to them, there's mystery and magic and wonder. See Christmas through their eyes. You, you remember Jesus said, don't hinder the children from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And in Isaiah, it says, a little child will lead them. And I don't think that's more true than it is at Christmas. There's, a, there's an energy, there's a passion, there's a love for Christmas that comes through children. Get around them. See it through their eyes. Then I, I, I guess, and I've, I've thought about this this week, I think one thing that could probably make more of a difference than almost anything to regain a sense of wonder and awe is to be generous during this season. Almost outrageously generous because 
really, if you think about it, Christmas is all about giving. Why do we give? Every gift that's ever been given is but a shadow, a, a representation of that great gift that God gave through Jesus Christ, his son. Every gift. And when we give, we really discover it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I don't mean break the bank, and I don't mean rack up credit card bills. What I mean by that, or, or even spoil your kids, what I mean by that is find a way to make a difference for someone else. Maybe find a needy family or, or, or an especially hurting person and, and give them a gift of encouragement. You know, when the wise men showed up, they presented him treasures of gold, frankincense, and more. If you want to help with the, the, the Christmas Eve offering in Malawi, or, or you want to participate in a sacrificial way to give to the church this year, man, that's what we're here for, is to make a difference in people's lives. We discover it really is more blessed to give than to receive. I discovered that this week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in the, the mall at the uh, food court, and uh, I noticed the people who are uh, going from table to table and sanitizing as best they could, putting away a lot of the you know, trash that people would leave, trying to make sure that the trash was taken out. And, and my, it struck me, you know, these people get so very little appreciation. I know they don't make much. This probably wasn't what they hoped to be doing with their lives. And the Lord put it on my heart, Jeff, is there a way we can bless them? Well, it was my privilege this week to go in to the food court. I had, I had bought some gift cards using some of the Care to Share funds, and I put together a Christmas card for each one, and I packaged it as nicely as I could, and I went over into the parking lot and went into the food court. And what a joy it was to go up to these folks who are working underappreciated, underpaid, I'm sure, and hand those cards to them and say, hey, I just want you to know I appreciate what you're doing. And, and there's a group of people just on the other side of the bridge here who thinks about you and is praying for you. God loves you. Merry Christmas. It was so cool. It was so much fun to see their eyes light up and, 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 and to see a, a gift that, that they didn't expect but, but was going to make a difference. Why can't we all find a way to make that kind of difference somewhere with someone? And so many of you have in all, already. You've discovered that gift. The Bible tells us to remember from which the heights we've fallen. This Christmas, don't forget your first love. And this Christmas, we hear the story again with, with fresh ears. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, here's what I've found. I'll use this illustration. Some of you live near railroad tracks, and some of you live in the path of the uh, airport, and you have fl uh, planes flying over your head often. But what's always fascinating to me is when I, for instance, Tom and Wendy Getz, when I go visit them, I'll hear the train go by. You know they never notice it anymore. They never hear it. Why? Because they've gotten used to it. You know, the same thing can happen to us at Christmas. We've gotten used to so many manger scenes and heard the story and read the story so many times, it no longer amazes us. We never even hear it. But here's the thing. 
Maybe this year, with all the disruption, with all the discontinuity of some of the old traditions and the way we used to do things and the celebrations that we were hoping to have, even with the disappointments and the frustrations of this moment, maybe, just maybe, God is giving us an opportunity to, to dig out the dig out the crud in our ears and wipe away the sleep in our eyes and hear the story again. That in a world of darkness, he came and the light began to shine. And those who are wise fell in love with him and worship him. Will you be amazed this Christmas? Are you living in amazement right now? That the Son of God became the Son of a virgin, laid in a manger, wrapped in rags, and he died on a cross because he wanted to spend eternity with you. The Son of God came so that you would be a child of God. Don't ever get used to that story. Because if it's your story, it's a story of wonderful grace. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, even now, my heart wells up with a sense of gratitude. I am thankful for Mary and the example that she is to us. That in spite of all those circumstances, she marveled, she rejoiced, she pondered all the good that you were accomplishing, even though, Lord, you took her through some very difficult moments. Lord, I suspect that there are some in this room, some who are listening to my voice, who are facing some difficult moments. But Lord, would you cause them to rise above that disappointment, that attitude of complaint, and instead, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, may they be refreshed with a sense of awe and wonder. That the God of all creation loved them so much that he sent his son Jesus. Lord, this miracle of grace is available to everyone who calls on you. The shepherds learned that unto us a Savior is born. This Savior has been born to you. Lord, may each of us this morning know that truth. And may we receive it and choose to follow him with our whole hearts. And Lord, if we have fallen from the heights, if we don't love you as we should, may we repent and do the things you've called us to sit and ponder and think and reflect on the fact that you came for us. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, and your love through Jesus Christ. Help us even now as we close this service to worship you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.